The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Before we meet today's guests, let me tell you about another podcast I host called Conversations on the Edge. Conversations on the Edge introduces you to a motley crew of thinkers with offbeat and bold perspectives on spirituality, community, and culture. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. If you enjoy Essential Conversations, and we know you do, you will love Conversations on the Edge just as much. Our guests today are Clark Strand and Perdita Finn. Clark and Perdita are co-founders of The Way of the Rose, an inclusive fellowship of the rosary dedicated to the earth and to the lady by any name we wish to call her. Clark is the author of several books, including Seeds of a Birch Tree, Writing Haiku and the Spiritual Journey, and Waking Up to the Dark, Ancient Wisdom for a Sleepless Age. And we've had Clark on the show before talking about Waking Up to the Dark. Perdita is a children's book author and former high school teacher. Her titles include My Little Pony Equestrian Girl Story Collections. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing at that one. That's a long title. Friendship is magic. That is the theme of those stories and the theme of Way of the Rose, actually. (laughs) All right. Well, we can get into that. And she's also the author of Monster High, Boo York, Boo York. (laughs) (laughs) These are great titles. Their new book, and what we're going to be talking about today, is The Way of the Rose, The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine Hidden in the Rosary. And the book and Clark and Perdita are featured in the January-February issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. So, Perdita, tell me why this book and My Little Pony Equestrian Girl Story Collections (laughs) share a common theme. What's that theme? Well, there are two themes. One is radical inclusivity. And anyone who knows the My Little Pony stories, anyone with, you know, children around seven or eight will know it's about tremendous diversity and getting along with each other. And the tagline for My Little Pony is friendship is magic. And Clark and I had been thinking for a long time about what did it mean to create spiritual community without hierarchy? What did it mean to have no priests and no property? And that was really a big goal of ours with Way of the Rose, was looking at how did we create circles of friendship instead of lineages of power. So let me ask you about that. And Clark, you can jump in on this. I love the idea 
of a, you know, no hierarchy, no priests, no, no property, no power, basically. Yeah. How do you have a religion? It seems to me religion is always about hierarchy. Somebody's always at the top and being at the top is all about power and all about money. Right. And when you don't have that, how do you keep people engaged if they don't, you know, if they're not paying for it, for it, why are they sticking with it? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because we find there's a lot more people stick with it because they don't pay anything. You know, we're a commerce-free zone on our website and on our Facebook group. We have thousands of members from all over the world, you know, writing every day, sharing their stories. Uh, Perdita often says that the rosary is a story that invites us to tell our story. And I think that ours is a, a kind of a storytelling group. You know, we get together for our rosary circles and we meet kind of like a 12-step group, sit in a circle, we go around the room and briefly sort of catch up, check in, share our stories. Then we pray the rosary together and uh, every voice is heard. As long as we have good spiritual friends, we don't really need leaders. We don't need gurus or experts or anything like that. There are no rosary experts and there are no merit badges. What? No merit badges? No, no merit badges. <laughs> yeah, you know? Well, you lost me at no merit badges, that's for sure. So a lot of people are going to hear the word rosary. Some of them are going to go, wait, what's a rosary? And some of them are going to go, wait, that's Catholic. So tell us first what a rosary is. And then tell us why, because neither of you are Catholic, as far as I know. No. First of all, you know, sometimes we joke, Rami, we've written a book about worry beads. And uh, is anybody worried about anything these days? So um, every religion has a tradition of using worry beads for prayer. And beads are, in fact, incredibly old. They take us way back to our earliest origins as human beings. We can find them 70,000 years ago in the Horn of Africa. We can find them 100,000 years ago in Morocco. And making beads is a really time-consuming activity. And there's a reason people made them. And holding on to them feels really good. There are a lot of reasons for that. You know, we're primates. And we talk a lot about letting go, letting go of addiction, letting go of troubles, anxieties, worries. But in order to really let go, we need to learn what we're supposed to be holding on to. And the first thing we hold on to when we're born is our mothers. And the rosary is, at its most basic, a way of holding on to our mother. And it, that is a deeply, deeply comforting experience, um, really tactile, practical, soothing. I began praying the rosary, ex-Buddhist, non-Catholic, raised by Bohemian atheists. As a young mother with two kids, overwhelmed by work and worry, uh, caring for a dying parent, and it felt good to hold on. And that's what people have been doing for 100,000 years. You know, Rami, just on a purely practical level, you know, you can tell people like if they're doing TM that they have to sit for 20 minutes twice a day and recite a mantra, right? And some people can do that and some can't. Some forget to say their mantra. The rosary is a very, very simple devotion, like all bead devotions. There's a prayer for every bead. You put, take it in your hand, you begin to say the prayers, and it just naturally follows. Very soon you find that your your body and your mind have grown still, and the mind becomes free. It's a little bit like being a kite at the end of a string. But it's also true that, you know, the rosary has become a symbol of Catholic piety. But what a lot of people don't know is that the Catholic Church was actively trying to suppress the rosary for a long time. The rosary emerged as a kind of church within the church in the Middle Ages. It was a way 
that men and women uh, grafted their devotion to the great mother, uh, practices that are probably, you know, more ancient than we can imagine. They weren't allowed to call the mother Isis anymore or Athena or Venus. They had to call her Mary, but she was the same mother. And so the rosary emerged out of that illiterate, barely Christian culture. And it was a way that those men and women snuck their devotion to the great mother in plain sight of the church. Yeah, really, the rosary is a stowaway inside the Catholic Church. That's the best way of thinking about it. It's a devotion to the great mother, you know, passed down in the whole of the Catholic Church for centuries. Hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple, but a few years ago, I was invited to Rome to uh, teach a group of about 75 sisters from 40 some odd different countries, uh, all part of an order of nuns called the Daughters of Wisdom, which was started in the, in the very early 1700s. And my whole class was that Mary is just the Catholic name for the Divine Mother, who has many, many other names. When the week was over, they were very pleased. I did a great job. And of course, I was completely wrong. <laughs> that, they, didn't, they didn't buy that theory at all. But I, I absolutely get what you're saying. There are mental gymnastics the church does. You know, I always say the greatest and hardest, biggest koan of all is mother of God. Well, the church would like to say, yeah, that just means it's a human mother of the divine being. But that was not actually the way the crowds in Ephesus understood that term when they revolted in the streets to have it concluded, you know, among the theology, Christian Mm. theology. They understood it as bigger than God. So I want to go back to this idea that you you sort of mentioned quickly, the tactile uh, aspect of the bead itself. I I remember once, a long time ago, uh, there's a wonderful guy named Andy Gold. I don't know if you're familiar with Andy. He, He lives on the top of Rose Mountain and he's got this retreat center that he built himself. It's just this amazing place. And, and I was teaching there once. And the first night, we all gather for food. He's a like a gourmet chef. The food is fantastic. And we're sitting around and over dessert, somehow we start talking about beads. And everyone runs back to their respective tent or cabin and they come back with their beads. Except me. I had serious bead envy. <laughs> they had Buddhist beads and Hindu beads and Sufi beads and uh, Catholic, you know, beads. And and here I was beadless. So I, I looked into it a little bit from the Jewish perspective. And, you know, we have, you know, supposedly our alternative to beads is counting the knots on the fringes of the talit, the prayer shawl. Like the uh, the Orthodox Church uses those big, ropes with knots on it instead of instead of beads. But it's not the same. It really isn't the same. But there is a theory that Abraham and Sarah lived in Ur. And Ur, according to some historians, was the bead capital of the world at one time. Oh, that's so fascinating. It, it must be, you know, in the in the history of, of uh, Judaism as well. But there is something about holding the the rosary or you know the beads and moving them from from bead to bead that is in and of itself calming do you have any i do you know why that is do you have any idea of what we're doing when we're moving the bead what what is well, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have a couple of theories, and Perdita may, you know, have other things to say about this. But one is, I think it's that very, very primal desire for connection. You know, we are physical beings; we have bodies, and to to be, try to become mind only or spirit only is, I, I think, a, a diluted spiritual impulse. To we can activate the mind or the imagination or through visualization or meditation and we can enliven the spirit but to let the body go to pretend it's not there i think is ill-advised so there's this there's a kind of an umbilical cord in the rosary that connects us to the earth and so i think it grounds us it's a profoundly grounding thing to hold on to a set of beads and to, re, to recite mantras for each one mantra is probably older than language Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. There are two thoughts that come to mind, Rami, and one is we ask people, you know, why beads? Why have people been making beads for 100,000 years? And if you look at a bead and you hold it in your fingers, you realize it's a nipple. There it is. That's the, that's the first thing we hold on to. And it's the source of our comfort, the source of our nourishment. And it goes back to our very, very most primal beginnings and says, oh, here I am. I'm connected. I'm safe. I'm going to be fed. I'm going to be taken care of. All is well in the world. And that impulse also comes from gathering seeds and nuts and berries and that pulling of the seeds and nuts and berries off of things you know i was doing brussels sprouts over the holidays pulling them off of their stalks <laughs> and we all started saying the rosary together all the people i was with because they were like these big brussels sprout rosaries and and we have we have privileged there's a lot of that meditation comes out of hunting behaviors the need for stillness and focus and attention but there are other ways of being spiritual that don't involve that, that involve community sharing, people being together, storytelling, song, fidgeting. We think that fidgeting is bad, but fidgeting isn't bad if you're a mother who's got to get dinner ready for the kids. <laughs> That's right. And you, an attention, you need to have attention deficit disorder if you're taking care of little ones and old ones and, yeah. you know, have 25 things on the stove. And speaking of fid fidgeting, you know, the rosary is the original fidget spinner, yes. right? <laughs> it, it just, it gives you something to do. It, it dissipates the nervous energy or the restlessness and helps you to settle down. So what about the text? So, so Perdita, you come out of a Buddhist background, right? Yes. And you probably had Amala beads, 100 and, right? Or no? You know, I, I did a lot of Zen practice and I never got Amala. I was fascinated by the rosary for a long time and I didn't know how to learn it. And it would turn out to be my Buddhist husband who would teach it to me. But they were my first beads. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it's important that people recite the traditional prayer of the rosary in the, from the Catholic tradition, or is it just you could do any kind of mantra um, as long as you're in that, that tactile relationship with the bead? 
Well, there, there, Pradita will probably have something to say about this too, but there are a lot of bead traditions around the world. The virtue of the rosary is that it combines the, uh, the best of all of them. So you have a meditative aspect to the rosary. Because of the mysteries, you have a, a visualization practice that's part of it. You have a petitionary prayer practice that's part of it. And you have a narrative. The rosary tells a story. Most uh, bead traditions don't have a narrative component, and so it's hard to sort of find yourself inside the story of them, unless you have folk traditions associated with them, which, you know, to the extent that they even still exist in Hinduism and Buddhism, you know, are hard to find. So what's the narrative? The narrative is uh, 15 mysteries. They, the, it's, it's very interesting, the 15 mysteries, and the fact that they're called mysteries is really interesting because what they're really referring to is the mystery cults of the Mediterranean, the yeah. mysteries of Isis and Osiris, the illusion mysteries. And those mysteries were designed to initiate us into the rhythms of nature. And so they offer a kind of do-it-yourself initiation. And they tell a story that seems to be based on the New Testament, and yet it isn't. And that's what's really interesting. It offers an alternative, feminine church within a church. It, it counterbalances the Gospels, in fact. Yeah. So they, the, it arose out of folk tradition. These were people who were illiterate. They didn't know the Bible. They only had pictures. And they had the stories that had been told in their villages yeah. for countless years. Yeah. And they started to tell a story about a mother a mother who's able to bring a child into the world without a man, who risks patriarchal violence by doing so, being stoned to death. And it moves on from there to tell a very, very radical, surprising story in which a lot of what would be called heretical wisdom was hidden. Yeah. You often find this in the art of the period. Right. So, the, you know, there are three sets of mysteries. There are the joyful mysteries of uh, birth and childhood, the sorrowful mysteries of uh, Jesus's uh, execution, right, of death, and then the glorious mysteries of resurrection and renewal. And it, it basically, the rosary goes in a circle. What Perdita referred to earlier about the, new the difference between the New Testament narrative and the narrative of the rosary is really crucial. The New Testament begins in the same place with the Annunciation, but it ends with the Last Judgment. The priests tried to get medieval people to, to follow the same you know, storyline, the Rosary, and they rejected it. And they chose to end the Rosary instead with the Assumption of Mary and her coronation as Queen of Heaven and Earth. And so the result is that the Rosary forms a narrative circle rather than a linear narrative. The narrative of the Bible is, is very linear. It begins in the beginning, gets to the middle, and ends in the fiery end, you know, the Christian Bible, that is. This is a circular story that's redemptive and inclusive that basically uh, ends where it begins. The reason it ends where it begins is Mary in the, in the art of the period at that final scene of the coronation, the final mystery, is always depicted as young and as if she were at a wedding. So, or holding the infant Christ. So, so instead of being old and dying, suddenly everybody's young again. Yeah. And it is about, it's teaching really the mysteries of rebirth. It, it, and, and it's really a crash course in planetary ecology, which is what the ancient uh, uh, Eleusinian and uh, uh, mysteries and the mysteries of Isis and Osiris were as well. 
people living, you know, in agricultural societies uh, need to understand ecology. And they've created these these stories so that they can find themselves in the within the rhythms of the earth, of birth, death, and renewal. So you really do see this as a way of of addressing even our current ecological imbalance. Absolutely. You know, we often say that what we do to the earth, we do to women, and what we do to women, we do to the earth. And how are we going to find ourselves out of the madness and the chaos that we are right now? I mean, we're going to, this idea that somehow we could transcend our bodies and become spirit only, we can transcend this planet, we can inhabit the Mars has led to the most horrific destruction of the earth. The idea that we can have dominion over the earth instead of be friends with the other beings. How do we return to a kind an indigenous awareness and friendship with the plants and animals that we share this planet with? That indigenous wisdom is held within the rosary. So we're just about out of time and I'd like you to end this conversation in a sense, the way you you end the book or close to the end of the book with what you call an invitation. Yes. These are the words of Our Lady of Woodstock. The rosary that has come down to you over the centuries is a medical kit to be used on the battlefield that now lies all about you. Make no mistake, this is not the battle between good and evil foretold in your scriptures. The war being fought is between your species and the earth. That war makes itself felt in every part of my body, from the depths of my womb that you call stone, strata, and sediment, to the fine blue linen of my mantle that you call your atmosphere. The battle is being fought beneath you, above you, and all about you. When you take up the rosary, You are holding the medicine I gave you long ago, along with the tools for repairing my body and healing it, as well as your own body and soul. You must use it with confidence, knowing that it holds within it all that you will need. You must use it with confidence, knowing that it holds within it all that you will need. Know that I have packed it carefully. It is complete and tamper-free. As you use it, Others will want what you have, and you must share it with them freely, without fear and without reservation. I am training a new generation of parents and grandparents to be equal to the times ahead. I invite you to join me in the work of mothering, all males and females, the old and the young, the living as well as the dead. We are all one mother of the world. Our guests today, Clark Strand and Perdita Finn, are the authors of The Way of the Rose, The Radical Path of Divine Feminine Hidden in the Rosary. You can learn more about their work at wayoftherose.org and read their article in the current issue, January-February issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Perdita and Clark, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank Thank you, you, Robin. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. 
You can also follow me on Spirituality and Health's website, where I now write a regular column called Roadside Musings, and on my new podcast, Conversations on the Egg. And don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano, and our executive producer is Catherine Drury-Wagner. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.